Hey everyone, welcome back to the Be Bold Podcast. You're now tuned into episode 10. So welcome back to the Be Bold Podcast. This is Gorgeous Chi. Happy Nurses Week, everyone. Shout out to all the nurses out there working on the front. This is definitely the year to celebrate all the nurses. So this episode is definitely for y'all. Um, shout out to my mom because this episode also comes out on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. So this episode is dedicated to the nurses and the mothers. And my mom is both. And so I love you so much, mom. Thank you for everything that you've taught me. Thank you for everything that you have protected me from, all the advice that you've given me and how hard you've been on me in this life. Um, it's all going to pay off. It all has paid off and we've seen it and I'm so happy that we've been able to grow and grow our relationship as I've gotten older. Okay, so guys, let's jump into, ooh, ow, before we move on, I did want to say rest in peace to Ahmaud Arbery and Sean Reed. Both men were, like we've seen the story before, targeted and murdered by white police officers the stories go untold for so long you know we catch some media attention everyone riles up on social media and now you know a couple months later there is an arrest being made for the father and son duo who attacked and killed Ahmad Arbery back in February in Georgia so rest in peace to them I don't want to give any more light to the people who constantly you know see this as a problem and don't care I don't want to give any more light to you know the people who actually committed these murders I just want this to be a call to action for you know the millennials and Gen Z um, we live in a country where circumstances like this happen every six to nine months we know it's not right everyone understands that this is a social injustice please don't be fooled by the social media marching. Um, There's actual real action needed so that we can actually change the normalization of killing black men. Because I remember the first time I heard about Trayvon Martin and that was the first time, if I can remember, that I heard a news story break about a black man um, being gunned down by a white person, not and they're not really being any lawful protocol followed. I'm not saying it's the first one, it's the first one that I witnessed. It seems like now around this same time every single year, you know, something else is happening. And it's super unfortunate. I feel so heartbroken for the black boys and the black men who get targeted, who know what's what it feels like to, you know, be gunned down, attacked. The amount of black men I've talked to who've actually admitted to, yeah, I've been harassed by a police officer. Yeah, this, yeah, like that's happened to me before. And they're scared and it's like a real thing. You don't want, you know, a regular traffic stop to end up to be your last day. But I want to just focus on rest in peace to those two men. It's sad that their name joins a list of other names. Um, and I hope that, you know, we can stop adding names to that list. Let's jump into our bold review. This is the bold review. So I want to talk about Michelle Obama's becoming 
becoming a, now a docuseries on Netflix. Yes, Michelle Obama blessed us with not just one, not two, but three ways, three mechanisms to digest her story. Uh, we are so lucky. I just watched it today. I wanted. I definitely made sure I was watching it before I came onto this episode today because I read the book a couple months ago. The book came out in November 2018. Yeah, November 13, 2018. And I heard about it. I had wanted to grab it. I had wanted to grab it, but I think I mentioned, I definitely did mention on the last episode. Y'all know I did, wasn't really big into reading, um, but that was probably why I actually gave audiobooks a real chance. So when I started giving audiobooks a real chance, it's one of the first books I read and I absolutely positively fell in love with the book. I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with the message. I fell in love with getting to know my forever first ladies um, outside of what we saw in those eight years. And I love how in the docuseries, she mentions that so little of what makes her Michelle Obama was made in those eight years in the White House. And it, that small statement, I feel like kind of encapsulates what the whole book is about, right? It's a book about, tra I think, transformations through life, but even better, it's a book about how all these separate entities in your life come together to make you the person who you are. Like your family, your socioeconomic status, the friends you make, the extra the extracurricular activities you join, you know, are you a, are you a part of a church group, all these different things, the people you meet, um the jobs you ha the jobs you have, the skills you acquire, these all make you who you are and they're all a part of your becoming story and you acquire all these different things at different stages in your life and different types right you'll meet different types of people you'll have different types of jobs in your lifetime and it's not taking any of those things for granted right everything whether you're wanting to you know explore different religions whatever it is that you want to do in your life just understand I think the whole book was more about explaining like hey Y'all know me as Michelle Obama, but there's so much to my story. There's, there's so much that makes, you know, her, her. And she grew up on the South side of Chicago, literally watched white people flee and as brown families came in and how the whole demographic of her neighborhood changed. Neighborhood as she was growing up and how that made her feel, right? She, the, the infamous story about the guidance counselor who told her that she wasn't Princeton material. Now look at her, Princeton and Harvard educated. You know, I can't imagine the pressure of the first African-American, the first African-American first lady married to the first African-American president. This is their first time in the White House. And anybody of this magnitude they knew they were living history and that pressure presidency I think everybody was like as much as we were cheering them on we was tiptoeing on the side like I hope nothing happens I hope you know there's no scandal I hope there's no you know and I want them to come out on top of this and I'm so grateful that you know Obama ran for president you know at such a young age in his life where now he's able to you know, kind of enjoy post-president life, you know, like he, like he's able to, um, 
give us and share us the stories with us. Like Michelle Obama is able to, to share these stories with us now about how she's been reflecting and how it has been to transition to this new life of hers. And everything about it, I love. I love the story, like I said before, and I love the message. And I feel like everybody can read it and everybody can learn from it. So I got my older sister for Christmas this past year, the Becoming book and the Becoming Guided Journal, because in November of 2019, she dropped the Guided Journal. And I got my younger sister just the Guided Journal because I knew she had read the Becoming as one of her Christmas gifts. And I've just recommended it to a lot of friends. And so let me, just, I'm going to read a couple snippets from the Guided Journal um, and share some thoughts on that as well. So if you're not aware, a guided journal is basically a book of pages with journal prompts. If you have a regular journal, you probably write free write in it. You date it yourself. Whereas in a guided journal, it leaves you space to date, you know, whenever you complete that certain page. But it gives you a question to answer on each page. So when I open it up, let's see which question I want to share with you all. Okay, this is a great question. So one of the, the prompts in here is, how have you been able to create change in the lives of other people? And so what you would do is just date it and then you would write about how you've been able to do that, whether, you know, it doesn't have to be in this huge way. It doesn't have to be like, I've been donating a thousand cans of non-perishable items. It doesn't have to be that. It can be the lives of your family, the lives of your friends, and you can just explain that story there. And another, oh yeah, she also has quotes in the guided journal. One of the quotes um, are, so many of us go through life with our stories hidden, feeling ashamed or afraid when our whole truth doesn't live up to some established ideal. That is until someone dares to start telling this, that story differently. So even that, like it's like those stuff and small snippets like this that I really enjoy and I really appreciate getting from our first lady. And I'm happy that I'm living in the era where I experienced her being, well, I'm saying her being like, you know, their family, you know, moving into the White House, watching them live in the White House, and also seeing their post, you know, presidential era. And I'm happy that this is what it's becoming. And <laughs> I'm happy that this is what it's becoming, the book becoming. Um, but yes, I really did enjoy it. And I definitely, oh, and another thing I wanted to mention is I kind of made the brand be bold between like, the blue colors like based off of this book like different shades of blue that's why I like one I've always liked blue growing up but I really 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 did and really was inspired by this book and the guided journal and her story so I definitely did you know start basing it off of the different shades of blue so yeah so that's my thoughts of it um if you listen to or if you watch the docuseries on Netflix of Michelle Obama's Becoming, definitely let's chat. Let's talk about it. Um, sharing your thoughts about your her story, what you feel, and how you were inspired um, by the book, the journal, you know, or the now docuseries. So make sure you guys check that out on Netflix. This is Thoughts from an Introverted Black Girl. So today's topic, I thought I would talk more about mental health, mental health awareness in this month. And I wanted to, you know, open the floor for discussion.
Let me start off top by saying mental health is a very broad topic. Mental health has many subgroups, there's many definitions, there's many theories that go into the two words of mental health. And I will say, I do believe that the, I do believe that the discussions surrounding this have evolved immensely. I think that people are really are so, are so much more open, at least in the spaces that I'm in. In the spaces that spaces that I'm in, people are so much more open to talking about mental health, prioritizing it, exploring it. Think about social media right now and some of the hugest influencers. Charlemagne the God has gone on two press runs, two in two books basically on um, black mental health. Well, the first book was talking about black privilege, <laughs> and um, he he kind of dabbled in it in the first book, and in the second book he kind of like fully talks about it. And talks about his PTSD. Um, so him him coming out and talking about it. And then G Herbo, who I don't really listen to this guy's music at all. Um, but he I know he has the album, I think, that's called PTSD. And it's just like black people who grow up and have these adverse childhood experiences are growing up to be adults and thinking that what they went through was normal. And that's not normal. And so... When you start to realize it's not normal, then you'll be more open to seeking help or to more open to exploring what that help looks like for you. Being an advocate for mental health, you're not running around telling people they need to go to therapy. You're running around, you're not running around at all, but you want it to be letting people know you should be prioritizing your mental health. That might mean you talk to your pastor for an hour after church, right? That might mean that you have a mentor that you talk to or a friend that you know you can get really really deep with or just a safe space that you have created for yourself to deal with your emotions and process your emotions in a healthy way that's what it is there are so many different ways to prioritize your mental health there is a spectrum i mean a spectrum of you know mental health disorders two words that you really um you want to understand is high and low functioning so I know I mentioned I had experience working in a psychiatric hospital, right? And so the people who are in those hospitals are extremely low functioning. They need people to plan their day-to-day. -day. They need people to schedule when they're going to take their medication. They need people to schedule and um, to, um, to schedule when they see their families. And they need people to keep them safe because they can't keep them safe. Um, despite the medication that they take on a day-to-day -day basis, those people are low functioning. But people are, who are super high functioning, who may be dealing with, you know, the um, common the things that we commonly hear like anxiety and depression, who might be high functioning, are working in our offices and with the aid of maybe, you know, going to or seeing a therapist once a week or, you know, taking some sort of medication. And that is completely their, their business. They don't have to disclose that to anybody. Um, but that's a, that's the situation that you need to understand. I know growing up, my mom always mentioned to me, you never know what anybody's taking, right? You know, watch the way you treat people because you never know what anyone's taking. And that's true. And it's not in a judgmental way, but it's because you don't know how 
you don't know what people are going through. That's just basically what that means. You you don't really know what people are going through. And then some people, you know, they come out and they talk about the things that they've gone through in their life and then you're shocked. So you have to just like kind of be cautious about that and discussions around mental health. Now, I want to talk about some things that the ones that we commonly hear and we commonly hear um, anxiety. We commonly hear um, depression. So all mental health disorders are listed out fully in full explanation on in the DSM. The DSM is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders or Mental Disorders, DSM. It is um, updated ever so often because this field is always changing, like science is always evolving, new things are discovered and so new criteria gets put into these, um, gets put into the DSM and then when it gets updated, you know, everyone gets new DSMs. Um, so they have diagnostic criteria you know symptoms they even say like how many it can be even as specific as um these symptoms have to be presenting for you know six months or more so you have to be monitoring it you know before you can actually even be diagnosed with having any of these disorders in dsm but i just kind of want to explore the ones that people we commonly hear um which would be um, anxiety and depression so in the dsm anxiety is defined as excessive anxiety and worry, apprehensive expectation, occurring more days than not for at least six months about a number of events and activities such as work and school performance. So that's an example of when I was telling you that they actually even have like, you have to be seeing these symptoms for six months before you can actually be, be diagnosed with anxiety. Um, but let's all discuss there is an emotion called anxious, right? <laughs> People do feel anxious about things. Um, and being diagnosed with anxiety, that's almost like the anxiousness overcoming you all the time and you know, hindering you from completing normal day-to-day -day responsibilities. So another term we all often hear is depression. Those who suffer from depression experience persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness and lose interest in activities they once enjoyed. Um, aside from emotional problems caused by depression, individuals can also present with physical symptoms such as chronic pain, digestive issues. Um, to be diagnosed with depression, symptoms must be present for at least two weeks. Um, and you have to have five of the symptoms during those two week period um, and they have to be persistent. So, you know, everyone the mood of sadness, right? Everyone feels sadness during, you know, major life-changing events that may be negative, right, to trigger those feelings. Um, but depression is really feeling like you can't move on with this life. Now, you know, that I've added a second definition, I want people to understand that a lot of these you know, mental health disorders can be or have the same symptoms. So it's not... It's common that people are, you know, misdiagnosed, right? With And also, a lot of these mental health disorders have many different layers and levels. So even depression, um, there's major depression, there is clinical depression, there's all types of symptoms that can present that, you know, would be the difference in what type of depression that you were diagnosed with. And the reason why there's so, like when I mentioned, I say spectrum, and there's so many different types of subgroups within each mental health disorder is because 
you can't personalize everything, but in this realm of mental health, they really do try to stay up to date with current signs, stay up to date with, you know, everybody's an understanding, everybody's an individual. Not everyone's going to have, you know, clinical depression for the same reason or have the same triggers as someone in clinical depression. You might see some similarities, but at the end of the day, everyone's their own unique individual. And so... You know, at first the blanket term becomes like anxiety. Then you realize that some people have anxiety when they just do one thing, when they just test take, when they just go into the office, right? Or when they just find themselves in certain um, situations. Some people only feel depressed, you know, when they think about one certain thing. Like all those things, you know, coming together, you know, would bring about an actual diagnosis. If you are not raised, you know, presenting symptoms of a mental health disorder, you're not um, scot-free. Mental health disorders can come about in later stages of your life. Mental health disorders can be brought on and triggered by different life events. Some mental health disorders are genetic, right? And you will find that because your parents had it or dealt with it, that you're, you know, predisposed to inheriting that mental health disorder or mental illness. So you want to just be informed about it in general because if you randomly start to have these feelings or you, you know, something major happens in your life and it causes you, you know, to have feelings of depression, to have feelings of anxiety, um, and for the next quarter we're going to go over panic attacks, if those things start to happen in your life, just being educated about resources or just being educated and understanding that you're not the only one going through it that's just the first step, right? Understand that you're, the, you're not the only one going through it. And then, you know, being more open and vocal about it, at least to yourself, being more honest to yourself. Like, you know, I'm going through something right now. I might need to speak to someone. I might need to find a safe space for me to be able to, you know, talk through these emotions so I can go back to my regular day, daily life, right? Um, so that this mental health disorder is not stopping me from achieving everything I want to do in my life. So the next word I wanted to share with you guys are panic attacks. Um, panic attacks are a sudden episode of intense fear, anxiety, and physical symptoms based on a perceived threat rather than the imminent danger. So one important thing in this definition is that the threat is perceived, right? This is something that you are, you know, unknowingly, right, unconscious, unconsciously putting together in your head. You're kind of creating a threat in your head and the what you're creating in your head is so powerful that it causes you to have this intense fear, right? And you, we see this word anxiety again, this intense fear, this intense anxiety that causes physical symptoms. So this might cause you to cry. This might cause you to, you know, have shortness of breath, to hold on to your heart and then be aching pain. Um, so that's how, that's, um, panic attacks is almost like what happens if you neglect your mental health for a very long time. I'm not saying that everyone has to go see a therapist to avoid having panic attacks. I'm just saying that you wouldn't be kind of making a situation or a perceived threat wouldn't be coming into your head if you had the skills to, you know, maybe even talk yourself down or if you fully understood that you do have a support system. A lot of times people who are dealing with mental health disorders even though there's a hundred people around them saying, you know, I'm going to help, I can help you. They don't feel like anyone is actually genuinely there to help. So speaking of help, there are many people you can talk to, right? If you're interested in looking for someone to speak to, you know, further about your mental health or, you know, about your life situations, 
you can go to a therapist, you can go to a psychologist, you can go to psychiatrists. Very different levels, so I want to explain a little bit about each. So a therapist is usually someone with a master's degree. They could have their master's degree in counseling psychology. They could have their master's degree in social work. And they usually have to get clinically certified to be able to do one-on-one -on -one counseling and therapy with someone. So that's probably someone you would see if you are dealing with the normal day-to-day -day stressors of life and you're struggling to deal with the normal day-to-day -day stressors of life. You know what I'm saying? You probably someone who may or may not, you know, need drugs to assist you in your day-to-day -day life and getting through day-to-day -day life. So that's kind of, there are even more different things that you can major in um, and become a therapist, you know, to be able to sit one-on-one -on -one and do things with people. Um, but those are just the quick examples. Now, you would see a psychologist, that person usually holds a, di a doctorate degree in psychology. They can do research, they can teach, they can do assessments. Usually psychologists are someone you see, if you, you know, are dealing with these, just, you're dealing with these uh, mental health disorders on a bigger scale. Um, they, because they spend so much more time in school, they can do these assessments to diagnose you with one of the mental health disorders that I mentioned to you today um, and just know I only gave you definitions between anxiety and depression I definitely want to share some more knowledge on different mental health disorders and I need you guys to understand that that I did not even scratch the surface with anything I shared in regards to the definitions I gave um, but I definitely want to give some and share some more information on my page moving forward like I said a psychologist they can probably further assess you and diagnose you for this those disorders now a psychiatrist and the big difference is that psychiatrists are usually have gone to med school and they can prescribe you medication. These are the people who can describe you the antidepressants. These are the people who can describe who can prescribe you all the drugs that you would need to function in day to day life. Right. Psychiatrists are also seeing people who can barely function in day-to-day -day life. Like people who I talk to you about people in the psychiatric hospital, they're seeing a psychiatrist, right? And that's just because that's the level of work that they need on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Someone who's going to see a therapist doesn't need the, you know, so how is your medication helping you? Have you seen a difference, right? They're not assessing you every three weeks to see how the medication you're taking is helping you. It could be asking you those questions, but those are something more of a psychiatrist would do. Um, and so mental health in the Black community, like I said before, I feel like the the conversation has really expanded and I've loved it becoming not taboo to discuss with, you know, your homegirls or your homeboy. Like, you know, I've been struggling. I'm, I'm so happy that it's no longer a taboo thing to talk about anymore. Now, before y'all go run into your parents, I need to sign up for a therapist um, today. I think you guys really need to understand that for millennials and Gen Z, it is so easy for us to get up and say, we're done with this. Our mental health comes first because that's the generation we grew up in. We grew up in discussing, you know, maybe I'm not feeling too good, like, you know, hitting your friend, like maybe I'm not feeling too good and it's easier for you to have those conversations. For our parents, that's not the case. And especially if you are a first generation Nigerian like I am, you know, that's not the case at all. You're not talking um, to me about 
you know, you feel sad. What do you mean you feel sad? I've been working the same job for the last 40 years. And you don't think I'm sad? Like, that, that whole conversation, is, there's a disconnect between the two. And so, which makes it harder for Black people to embrace therapy, to embrace prioritizing their mental health. Um, because people, Black older parents, African-American, or, or any parents that don't really understand, I feel like they see mental health therapy, any of those Anything in that description as, oh, are you trying to um, put my kid in a crazy jacket? My kid's not crazy. I'm not crazy. And it's not about being crazy, right? It's just about getting assistance to help you through some parts of your life that might not be manageable. Um, and so, and it's not even like you have to go to therapy. You have to be, have an open, safe space. And if your parents are not creating that, if your friends are not creating that, you really just need something else. You want to seek out therapy, but another huge barrier for a lot of people is the cost of treatment. Now, therapy could run you $300 just for one intake session because they have to ask you some extra questions, right? And every follow-up session after that can probably cost you $150, like $150 each one. And that is a lot. People don't go to therapy for one month and are healed. People go to therapy for one month and then month two they start to really get into it like it starts to really get um you know turned up in regards to the problems that you want to address and so that can just become like an unnecessary cost for a lot of people also want someone to acknowledge that there are not many therapists of color out there or at least there wasn't before i did mention to you guys talk to joy Harden bradford again she has a whole directory and therapist directory to find therapists of color on her Instagram page, if you click the link in her bio, you will find everything. Amazing resource. And as this becomes more of a discussion, there'll be more discussions regarding it. There might be a page that pops up that's called Therapy for Black Men. Therapy for, therapy for the Black Boy. I would love to see a page like that come about, you know, and a, maybe a Black therapist, a Black male therapist discusses the importance of mental health in the Black community. Because like I talked about earlier, Black men are going through a lot. But they also be just smiling like, like they're not going through a lot. And it's really, um, it's mind-boggling to me that someone would think that, you know, if you see images of someone who looks just like you being attacked and mauled and, you know, murdered all over the internet, you know, that that does take some sort of, some sort of um, psychological toll on you and the way you respond in life um, and in your environment. So... Definitely think it's important besides the cost. If the cost is a problem for you, definitely look into your insurance. Now, my mother is a nurse, um, Nigerian Nurses Association. So I know some people who work in hospital and healthcare probably have better insurance and can can get better deals. And so I really urge you, that if you are under your parents' insurance, if you're not 26 yet, maybe go onto your insurance website and at least start to look and see if there are providers in your area that your insurance will cover you under. And maybe instead of paying that $300 price, you're going to be going and paying only a copay of like 10 Like you want to do the research because the information is out there and it's getting easier to access. And so we don't want to neglect it now that our information it's coming to us and so making treatment more making treatment more attainable making them more affordable you know can help get black people in the door but i want to also say if black people are not going to be going to therapy if you're someone who is pro mental health you're an advocate you're an ally just like me and you see your friend your sister your brother struggling with some things that might be caused by mental health just you know maybe their mental health is not strong you as someone create that space for someone else to be open with you 
you know, like I said, they don't have, it doesn't have to be their full baggage, but maybe they can let someone know, hey, I'm just not feeling good. Be that safe space if you're an ally like me. And I always allow people to openly talk to me without judgment and I've gotten better, right? I, I mean, just because you say you're an ally doesn't mean you're an amazing listener. Some people are just not good listeners. And so that can also be a part that, you know, hinders, you know, success in that area. But as someone who can be a good listener, when I tell someone, hey, it's a safe space, you have, um, you can call me if you need me, you can do anything. And the person actually calls, I feel good. You know, I feel, okay, so this person, you know, remember the time that I mentioned to them that they can always call me. It, it doesn't matter what the case is. So I do want to wrap this up by saying happy Mental Health Awareness Month. I have not even scratched the surface. I want to let you guys know. I'm definitely going to be talking about this again. Maybe next week's, um, oh, maybe not next week's, but on my page, you'll definitely see more information about mental health. I want us to understand that as much as, time as we put into looking good, going to the gym, putting the right things in our body, drinking water, making ourselves look good, our brain needs that same TLC. Don't leave your brain, you know, thirsty for some attention, thirsty for some self-care, right? Thirsty for a good let out cry. Give your brain what it needs. And why would you assume that you know, you put so much energy into making your body look good, right? Or you put so much energy making sure your schoolwork is good or that your asshole work is good. Why wouldn't your brain, who is controlling all of those different entities, why your brain, who's controlling all of it going on, why wouldn't it need its own TLC? Why wouldn't it need its own bubble bath, you know, or its own exercise? Just don't neglect your brain. Don't neglect your feelings and the ability and... Please, I'm telling you, as I've gotten better with being my emotional intelligence, as I've gotten better with my personal issues and dealing with communication, it has been so, life has just been so much easier, right? I'm able to just think things out a little more clearly. The more you heal yourself and work on yourself for, the better the interpersonal interactions you have on your life or have in your life will be. Right, everything. I'm not everything's going to be easy. This whole thing is not easy. It's not one therapy session. It's not one face mask. It's not one exercise of the one coping skill you learned. It's not learning to be assertive. It's not learning to create boundaries in separate that will help you. It's putting it all together and being consistent that will help you. And that all comes from prior sitting down and prioritizing, you know, what's in between your ears because it's controlling your whole body. And if this is off, your whole body's off. So let's move into the daily devotional. I remember that I missed this section on the last podcast. So I wanted to add a devotional that can bring this all together. So 1 Corinthians 6:19, what know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Is your mind part of your body? Of course it is. God wants us to take care of our mental health because of the healthy minds leads to a healthy body. Our thoughts and actions are aligned. Whatever we think we become, that's why the Bible says Philippians 4, 8, to think about good things. Um, so that's just a little, a little 
snippet to wrap this up. Thank you guys for coming back and listening to episode 10 of the Be Bold podcast. I'm your host, Gorgeous Chi. I will be announcing the new season's new air date next Sunday. So look out for that. Look out for a lot. I mean, a lot of new things on our page. Keep up. Send the page to a friend. Send the link to a friend. Give me a review in the comments. Give me a review in the DMs or send me a text. Um, Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Nurses Week. Stay safe out there. Bye.